Thanks for checking out this week's podcast from Center Street Church. We pray it blesses, encourages, and inspires you. Well, thank you so much for blessing us the way that you did. God is good. We do welcome all of you uh, who are joining us online and also those of you who are meeting together here at Central Campus and at our other campuses in uh, Airdrie, Bridgeland, Northwest Calgary, and South Calgary. We have reason to celebrate and to give thanks today because this is the first weekend in months we haven't had snow. I mean, this is awesome. (laughs) Yeah, it's supposed to snow Monday and Tuesday. Uh, Man, I'm telling you, but... uh, You know what? Spring is sneaking up on us. Can you feel it? It's just sneaking up on us a little at a time. Anyways, if you're visiting with us today, um, I, you know, for the first time or you're relatively new to our church, I just want you to know that um, uh, every year or so I give a vision address. And uh, this is a vision weekend, uh, which means that what I talk about today is um, will, will not be what I usually uh, speak on. However, what I share today uh, will inform you of what God has been doing in and through our church and also where we believe God's leading us as a church and even why we do some of the things that we do as a church, which we trust will not only be informative but inspirational and challenging. As many of you know, uh, we continue to grow as a church, and, and you know, that's a good thing. I mean, um, uh, the other alternative is not to be growing, and, and you know, a, a church that's not growing is dying, and I choose uh, growth in life anytime, amen? And uh, so we're growing as a church, and after much prayer and deliberation, uh, the leadership of our church believe the time has come for us to provide more space for children, youth, and adults, including those with special needs, and those who are hurting economically, spiritually, and in their relationships. And so today I'm going to be reminding us of God's faithfulness to us as a church down through the years and introducing you to the need and also to the rationale for our building initiative, which you've been hearing about off and on uh, over the last year. And then over the next few weeks, we're going to open the scriptures and talk about how the kingdom of God differs from the kingdom of this world, and specifically how the economy of God's kingdom functions differently uh, from the way that our world economy functions. You see, in the same way that our country has an economy, and all of us who are able are called upon to use uh, our time and our abilities and our resources to contribute to the health of our nation's economy, uh, so God's kingdom has an economy. And he calls us to use um, what he's made available to us in terms of our time and our talents and our treasure to contribute to the health and to the advancement of his kingdom. Now, I want to warn you right up front uh, that if you're an open-minded person and uh, a person who really wants to um, know Jesus and follow Jesus with all of your heart and give your life to that which is really going to matter, Uh, the most in the end, then you're going to be challenged. And you're also going to be inspired big time by this series of messages, even as I was many years ago uh, when I began to dig deeper into the scriptures on this particular topic. It was 
revolutionary in my life. Uh, opened my eyes to something I'd never seen before. And so you won't want to miss it. Okay, so before I move on, would you please stand with me and join me as we dedicate this time to the Lord in prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we praise you. We thank you for the kingdom that you established through your son, Jesus. We thank you for the church that he is building, the privilege that we have to be part of it. And we affirm today, Lord Jesus, that you are the head of the church. And we give you all the glory for all that you've done in us, all that you've done through us, even in spite of our shortcomings and failures. I pray now that you will open our ears and our hearts uh, to hear and to receive from you today. Uh, for we pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. A little over a week ago, our nation was shocked to hear of the horrific accident that took the lives of 16 players and personnel associated with the Humboldt junior hockey team. Expressions of sympathy poured into the families from all over Canada and the world. High-profile people in politics, the media, and the sports world expressed their shock and their condolences. The tragedy has been all over the news this past week and probably will be for weeks to come. Now, most people don't like to think about death. But then we get slapped in the face with a tragedy like this, and we're reminded that death is real, that death is no respecter of age or status, and that it will come to each of us one day. A tragedy like this often serves as a wake-up call to live each day to the full, to not neglect loved ones, to give our lives to those things that are going to matter most in the end. But here's the thing. Over this past week, nearly as many people have died in our city as did in that tragic accident. In fact, did you know that every year 5,000 Calgarians die? We don't hear about most of them. But people right around us are dying daily from all age groups. And sadly, research tells us that most don't believe in God and the afterlife or are confused about God and the afterlife. And so for the Christian, death teaches us something else. It serves to remind us to give high priority to our God-given mission. The importance of reaching out to, loving, and investing in the lives of people, helping them with their questions, with their confusion, and in God's time, introducing them to the Jesus that we know and love. Amen? Well, 60 years ago, it was this God-given mission that led a group of young adults to step out together and start a church called Center Street Church. And over the years, they've seen their prayers and their God-given vision become reality as thousands of people have been introduced to Jesus through the ministry of the people of our church, have had their confusion corrected with truth. 
And I could spend the rest of the time telling stories, but let me mention just one. Many of you will remember when a year before we moved into this campus, everyone was given a fist-sized rock. Not to throw at me, the preacher. (laughs) But on which to write the names of people we were committed to praying for and trusting God to bring to himself. And then we each took our rock, came into this place while it was still under construction, and we dropped it into a pit somewhere below where I'm standing right now, here in our worship center. Well, a little over a year ago, someone told me that they had put the names of their entire family on one of those rocks. And over the last 12 plus years, the entire family has come to faith in Christ. And over the years, we've heard stories of changed lives like this again and again. Now, to be clear, changed lives is fundamentally the work of God. Only He can truly change a heart. And so He deserves all the glory. However, he has chosen to do his work through our prayers. He's chosen to do his work through our obedience to his call. In other words, the move of God that we've witnessed as a church down through the years has been in response to the countless prayers that have been prayed. Countless hours of our people loving, serving, and caring for one another and for others in their sphere of influence. Countless invitations that have been extended, countless sacrifices made in terms of time and also finances to provide the ministries and the space needed to carry out the mission that God has called us to. The reality is Center Street would not exist as we know it today. Our worship services would not exist. Our buildings would not exist. The eternal impact that we've had in the lives of thousands of children, youth, and adults. The millions of dollars that our church has given to churches and agencies committed to accomplishing God's redemptive purposes uh, locally and globally down through the years. None of this would have happened or would be happening now were it not for the steps of faith, the generosity, the faithfulness of those who have gone before us. If somewhere along the way they would have said, we're big enough already, we've done enough already, and like the children of Israel, standing at the threshold of the promised land, had shrunk back and refused to step out to embrace the new thing that God had for them. But you see, they didn't do that. They didn't shrink back and say, no more. Our church is flourishing today. First and foremost, because Christ, the mission, the teaching of Christ in the scriptures are at the center of this church. But also because over the years, time and time again, the people of this church stepped out in faith in obedience to God's leading. And let me briefly tell you the story of our church. The times we came to a crossroad and we had a huge decision to make. And then proceeded to pray and then put our trust in God and step out in obedience 
to where we felt he was leading us. But before I do that and tell you the story, you need to know I'm going to be telling the story of our church in very broad strokes. There's so much of the story that could be told if we had the time. And furthermore, I'm going to be giving some statistics. And so when you hear me refer to some numbers, I want to remind you that those numbers matter, not because we're into numbers or into counting, but because each number represents a person whose life has been transformed by Jesus. And so with that in mind, the story of our church begins in 1958 with a group of 61 young adults taking a gigantic step of faith to build a worship center on Center Street and 40th Avenue with the hope and prayer that God would use them to impact Calgary for Christ. Because of their faith and sacrifice, people came to know the Lord. Many people grew closer to the Lord. If they had not followed God's leading, if they had not stepped out, taken the risks they did, Center Street would not exist. We would not be meeting together today like we are. 20 years later in 1978, the church was still a fledgling church of around 200 people, but it was growing. It had a flourishing ministry to youth and young adults. And again, the church at that time was asked to take another step of faith build a gym, educational wing to give God more room to impact children, youth, and young adults. And 200 people at the time said yes to God's leading, stepped out, gave sacrificially over and above their giving toward this expansion project. And in the years that followed, many lives were impacted as a result. My wife Gwen and I and our son Matthew, who was six months old at the time, arrived a couple of years after the expansion was completed. And I can tell you that the gym and those additional facilities were tools that God used greatly to see our church's ministry to youth, young adults grow from a few dozen to a few hundred over the years. In fact, between 1986 and 1995, those additional facilities provide the space our church needed to see hundreds of people come to faith in Christ and to grow our, our worship services to grow from a few hundred to well over a thousand people in five services. Well, as a result of this growth, 25 years ago in 1993, plans were presented to purchase more land, to build an 1,100-seat worship center and children's ministry center at the estimated cost at that time around $3 million. And again, it took faith, it took sacrifice, but a thousand of us at that time committed to step out and to provide more space through our giving, over and above our regular giving to the ministry and mission of our church. And three years later, in 1996, we moved into our new worship and children's center in what we now refer to our West Campus, and we moved in debt-free. And God honored our faith. Over the next seven years, between 1996 and 2003, our expanded facilities made room for over 2,000 people coming to faith in Christ. Now, you can clap for that. That deserves... And during this period of time, all of our ministries experienced explosive growth, as did our ministry and missions budget. 
And despite people having to use shuttle buses, some of you might remember when we did that for about seven to eight years, even though they had to use shuttle buses, our worship attendance tripled to nearly 3,000 people meeting in five services. Well, when we were full in most of those services, we knew we had to make more room again. So after prayerfully exploring every feasible option, the church leadership came to the conclusion that we needed to first build a larger campus and then in the future establish other campuses around Calgary and area. And so in 2001, around 3,000 of us at the time stepped out, gave sacrificially toward what is now our central campus. And that would ultimately cost around $17 million. Three years later, on March 28, 2004, we moved into our new campus, and less than a year later, it was all paid for. In fact, at no point over those three years, as we were collecting funds for our new campus, did our giving to um, our ministry focus, our giving to our mission focus, um, suffer. A real testimony to God's faithfulness, but also the faithfulness and sacrificial generosity of his people. You see, as I've said before, when we trust the Lord to meet our needs, and we obey his call, all of us together, to give generously and sacrificially, and we combine our resources as a church, we will have all we need and more, not only to build buildings, but to do all that God's calling us to do in our city, our nation, and around the world. And so in 2004, we moved into Central Campus. And over the last 14 years, God used the fervent prayers and the faithful witness of his people, as well as our worship services, outreach events, Alpha, Why Belief series that were held in these facilities to introduce, and folks get this, over 3,800 additional people to faith in Jesus Christ. Over the last 14 years, we've seen hundreds of community groups formed all around Calgary and area. We're one of the only churches in our nation who have pastoral staff, a sizable budget, and volunteers dedicated to ministering to people with special needs and their families. We are only, uh, we're one of only a few churches that have staff, budget, and space dedicated to helping broken people find true freedom in Christ through our freedom and encounter God ministries and to find spiritual and physical healing through our prayer ministries. We've been able to provide space for over 1,500 of our youth, young adults, and young at heart from all of our campuses and ministries uniting together at our monthly night of worship to hear testimonies, to witness baptisms of people that have come to faith in Christ and to ex have extended time of worship together. As we've grown and we've pooled our financial resources, the impact in our city, nation, around the world has also grown significantly. Consider this. Even though our average attendance is 40 times greater than it was 40 years ago, our global mission budget is 71 times greater than it was 40 years ago. You think about that. Because of God's faithfulness and our willingness to step out in faith, our missions giving 
is not only 71 times greater than it was 40 years ago, but our missions giving has grown at almost twice the rate that our attendance has over the last 40 years. Something that wouldn't have happened had we said no to what God wanted to do in and through our church. Locally, through our global budget, we're serving hundreds of people, including new Canadians, the working poor, the marginalized, as well as a number of local agencies who are committed to the same. Nationally, we're partnering with and supporting seven church plants in Quebec. Internationally, we're supporting 48 missionaries, 84 partner churches, and 40 agencies. Well, as we continue to grow in all of our ministry areas, once again, we knew we needed more room. And so in 2007, we decided to start establishing other campuses to be one church in many locations. And beginning in 2008 through to 2013, we pushed out from Central Campus, established four additional campuses around where large groups of community groups were meeting in Northwest Calgary, in Airdrie, and then in Bridgeland, and then in South Calgary, sending hundreds of our most loyal and committed people to serve in those campuses and together reach out to the children, youth, and adults living in their region of the city. And all of these wonderful things wouldn't have happened or wouldn't be happening if somewhere along the way those who have gone before us would have said, hey, it's us four, no more, close that door, and to what God's doing. But now a new chapter is upon us. Over the last 14 years, our church has again doubled in size. Well over 6,000 people on average attending one of our eight worship services at our five campuses on a typical weekend. And an additional 1,500 people in the Calgary area alone joining us in our worship services online, especially during those snowy weekends. <laughs> our children's ministry is growing at all of our campuses, but especially at Central Campus, spilling out into the gallery, as you've probably noticed, and the chapel to accommodate our growth and to prevent us from having to turn children away. Our special needs ministry has grown beyond capacity in our special needs room it spilled over into the prayer chapel, the only other place we could find for them to have their ministry take place. They've been there for probably a year already. In two and a half years, when we no longer have access to our West Campus, because you remember we sold the West Campus, our compassionate ministry will be in desperate need of a facility to continue ministering to the growing numbers of working poor, the marginalized and immigrant populations. And our growing Northwest Campus is in need of a facility that will not only provide them with permanent and better space to gather for worship, to reach and to disciple children, youth, and adults of all ages, but also to be a visible sign to the community that spiritual and practical help, hope, and healing can be found through the people who gather in such a building during the weekend on weekends. In fact, the gift of 11 acres of land <laughs> that we received from one of our church families is right next to the community of Tuscany. And you may not know this, but Tuscany apparently is one of the largest communities in our city. Well over 60,000 people live there. 
And are you aware that that community does not have one church building? Now, every once in a while, I'm asked, why invest in buildings? Why don't we just meet in homes, save all the money that we put into buildings, and save what we put into our weekend worship services and other ministries that happen here throughout the week? Well, that's a valid question. And so I want to attempt to answer it. There's many reasons I could give for why buildings matter, but I'm just going to touch on three. First of all, buildings matter because all the way through Scripture, we see God regularly calling His people to come together to worship Him. In the Old Testament, we see God calling His people to celebrate various festivals and feasts, to gather regularly in the temple courts or the tabernacle to give thanks for his faithfulness and his goodness. The early church met in homes, but they also gathered together in larger spaces to worship, to invite those seeking Jesus and to hear the gospel and the teaching of church leaders. For example, we read in Acts chapter 2 that on one of those particular occasions, Peter shared the gospel. It must have been to some large crowd because over 3,000 people came to faith in Christ that day. All down through history, in every nation and culture where people were able to live and worship God freely, Christians have always gathered together in larger numbers to worship, to mutually encourage each other, to receive teaching from God's word, to give generously, and to celebrate God's activity among them. Only extreme persecution and the threat of death and imprisonment has kept Christians from meeting together as a larger community. And as soon as that persecution began to lift or was lifted, Christians began meeting together again in public spaces. And folks, here's the thing. In those areas of the world where there is extreme, unpredictable weather, might I say Calgary might be one of those? You're going to need a suitable building if you're going to meet together uh, as a larger community and meet some of these values that we've talked about. Even in the poorest communities of the world, Christians will use scraps of metal, wood, dried leaves, and vegetation to construct makeshift buildings to serve as a sacred space for them to gather for worship, fellowship, teaching, and discipleship. And so to be clear, our vision is twofold as a church. We place incredibly high value in gathering together in smaller community groups all over our city, meeting together in homes and in other spaces to care for one another, to pray for one another, to do life together, to be on mission together loving, serving, and introducing people in our sphere of influence to Jesus. But we also place high value in all of us coming together weekly in larger public spaces for fellowship to worship and to praise our Lord for all that he's doing in and through our lives, in and through our community groups, to hear the gospel and to have our faith strengthened by the testimonies and the consistent teaching from God's word, which we believe 
is the baseline of discipleship and also, of course, to disciple and equip people of all ages. And as I said, not all of these values can be accomplished in homes, but will require larger spaces. Secondly, buildings matter because people matter. I challenge us not to focus on the cost or the size of the buildings, but to focus on the size of the harvest. The sheer number of people in this city and around the world who are yet without Christ. Our Heavenly Father is on mission to see all people come in relationship with himself. In fact, 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 9 says, The Lord is patient, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. Jesus came to make a way for every person to become a friend of God. And he turns to you and me and he says, as the Father has sent me, so send I you. In Matthew 28, Jesus challenged us to go and make disciples. Now, all through our history, we have been very passionate about our mission of introducing people to Jesus and helping them to become fully devoted followers of Jesus. And as we've prayed and as we've trusted God in this as a church, we have seen thousands of people come to faith in Christ. Over the last 25 years, our best estimates are 6,000 people have come to faith in Christ over the last 25 years. And folks, when you have that many people becoming part of your church family, the reality is you're going to need more space. But here's the thing. Our mission is far from complete. Based on a recent study conducted by Angus Reid, there are millions of people in our country, there are hundreds of thousands of people in our city who either don't believe in God or are uncertain about who God is and the afterlife. And some of them are members of our own family. Some of them are our neighbors. Some of them are our friends at school, others colleagues at work. And of this we are certain, they matter to God. Jesus died for them. He longs for them to know him and to be in relationship with him. For us to ever come to the place where we close the door and we say, enough is enough already. For us ever to say, I've got my parking spot and my seat. I've got my friends and my support network. My kids have their friends and their place in children's ministry. For us to ever come to a place where we no longer give a rip about those in our lives who are far from God means we are out of step with the heart and the will of God. Years ago, when we were about to embark on expanding what is now our West Campus, I'd taken some hits from people who were upset about the idea of expanding our facilities, accusing me, accusing us as a church of building a little empire, 
of having wrong priorities, wasting money on buildings, threatening to leave. Now, I'll admit it hurt. And as a relatively young, you know, pastor at the time, I got a bit intimidated by the backlash. And I <coughs> shared some of my struggles with a friend, Dr. Carl George from Fuller Seminary, who was helping us with our small group ministry at the time. And his response to me was this. He said, Henry, if a person seeking spiritual answers were to walk into your church building, up to your receptionist and say, I'd like to talk to a pastor about how I can become a follower of Christ. And your receptionist checked with all of your pastors on staff and even though they clearly understood the opportunity here to introduce someone to Jesus, they told your receptionist that they were too busy to meet that person. How would you, a senior pastor, feel about that? And I said, that would be unacceptable. You know, I'd be some upset. Well, he asked, then answer me this. How is that different than the same person coming to your church on Sunday morning and after driving around for 20 minutes, and I know some of you did that this morning, but after driving around about 20 minutes, we're unable to find a parking space and then out of frustration just went back home. Or how is that different than that same person and his family coming into your service and not hearing a word that you taught that morning because you couldn't accommodate their children in children's ministry and consequently they spent the entire time trying to get their kids to behave and be quiet? Or how is that different than them finally showing up at one of your services and having to turn around and go back home because there wasn't a seat available to them in the worship center? Well, that really brought a different kind of perspective. Yes, God doesn't use buildings to change lives. But he often uses what happens in those buildings to change lives. And I ask you, haven't we seen over the last many years God change the eternal trajectory of thousands of people who have come into our buildings and heard the gospel of Jesus Christ? Buildings matter because people matter. And then thirdly, permanent buildings matter because they're a visible sign of the church's presence in the community where people can find help, hope, meaning, and community in the same way that a hospital is a visible sign to those who have a medical emergency that they can find help and treatment within its walls. When you see a big H on a road sign, you know that there is a hospital nearby. If you see golden arches, you know that there is health food nearby. <laughs> now you see, we understand this in business. We understand the concept of the power of word of mouth, but we also understand the power of location and building. But for some reason, some people seem to believe that this principle doesn't apply to the church. Now make no mistake, we firmly believe the church isn't a building. We don't come to church. We, the people, are the church. However, (laughs) 
However, we do believe that buildings are tools that God can use to not only empower the church to more effectively accomplish the mission that he's called us to, but also to serve as a beacon of hope to those seeking God and spiritual direction. And this is true not just in the West. It's true around the world. I asked Pastor Ashwin, who grew up in India, to give his perspective on the importance of buildings in other parts of the world. And this is what he said. Just watch this. Many cultures around the world value the importance of a sacred space. That is why I believe a church building serves as a visible spiritual reminder to people that here is a sacred space set apart for the worship of God. The physical building is a visual reminder. It serves as an invitation to all who pass by the church that they need Jesus. This, I tell you, is not just a Western concept. I believe it is universal and applicable all around the world. For example, when I pastored a small church in India, our little church met in the basement of a community hall that we rented. There were only two churches in our city with decent-sized buildings. Both were nominal mainline churches. When it was Christmas or Easter, people of other faiths would flock to these two churches out of sheer curiosity to learn more about what Christians celebrated during these holidays. And these two churches were the only ones people knew about because they identified the church with the building. But it broke my heart because both the churches never attempted to clearly articulate the gospel in their worship services or evangelize the visitors. Hundreds of people who were from other religious backgrounds would come to church and go away without hearing a convicting, Christ-centered message. And our small church that had a passion to introduce people to Jesus was not visible to the community because we had no building. It is in India I learned the importance of a church building. Today at Center Street Church, I serve as a community pastor of Northeast Calgary, and my family and I, we live and serve in this quadrant of the city. I have visited many different mosques, the Buddhist temple, as well as the Sikh temple in Calgary, and they have exquisite buildings. Just close to our house, there is a construction project starting for a new mosque and an Islamic school. These buildings of other religions reveal to us the demographics of the city have changed significantly. We often look at buildings from a practical point of view, like using it for meetings and making it functional, and that is important. But people of other religions view religious buildings as a sign of the faith community, how influential, widespread, and active they are in our city. Let me remind us that God is bringing the nations to Calgary. This is no accident, it is the Lord's doing. And I know people of many different faiths come to our weekend services to know more about the Christian faith because they are seeking for the truth. And how do they know we exist? Because they see a physical church building. They see that there are Christians in this city they can meet and talk to about matters of faith. And the most exciting thing is we have seen many people from other religions encounter Jesus and their lives being transformed radically. Church buildings matter and they make a difference in advancing God's kingdom purposes. Well, thank you, Ashwin. Now, 
want to be very clear that we recognize there are many ways that we can impact others for Christ. We believe one of the most effective ways of introducing people to Jesus is each of us reaching out in love to those in our sphere of influence and inviting them into our lives, into our, our, our home, uh, into our community group, and to our worship services. However, when people are seeking God, when they're seeking truth, or when they're facing hardships and have no relational connection with other Christians, church buildings can serve as a lighthouse, a hope of hope and healing, which God can and has used as a tool down through the years to draw many people to his spiritual family and to himself. A few months ago, I received a, a long email from a woman who just wanted to say thanks uh, to me, to us as a church, for ministering to her broken heart and helping her through a very difficult year. She attended Center Street years ago as a young person. But then she fell in love. She married someone who didn't share her faith. And in time, her rocky marriage came to an end. In the midst of her pain, one of the first things that came to her mind was our church. And she decided to come back home to our church. And this is what she goes on to write. On January 8, 2017, I attended Center Street again for the first time in a long time. It happened to be the night of worship service. I stood there and sang and cried and cried. In spite of my trauma and fear, I felt tremendous peace and the love of Jesus. I wept and asked God for his forgiveness. I've attended Center Street regularly throughout this past year, and I have rarely missed a weekend. I want to let you know that the teaching and the praising of God has been there for me. All the sermons have provided teaching straight to my heart and my relationship with Christ. I started attending divorce care in September. It was helpful to work through the hurt and the anger, but also to see how far I've come. I also reached out to children's ministries and have started volunteering there. I felt that God was calling me to use my talents to give back to the church that has helped and supported me so much. Now, friends, I hear stories like this on an ongoing basis. I'm meeting people all the time, from teens to, young adult, to senior adults, often in the atrium or in the foyer of one of our campuses, who share a bit of their story with me. And often they say something like how during a time of deep reflection or a time of hardship, they began seeking answers to the ache in their soul. And as they thought about where to turn, our church came to mind. Some thought of our church because they knew someone that they respected attends here. Others, like uh, the, the woman who sent me the email that I just referred to, thought of our church because they were part of our church years ago as a child or a youth. They moved away or they drifted away. But many others thought about our church not because they knew anyone from our church or because they even knew any Christians but because they walked by one of our buildings or because they came into one of our buildings to attend a funeral or a wedding 
or because they attended a Christmas Eve or an Easter service that someone invited them to, or a stampede breakfast, a family fest, a concert, a high school graduation, or a seminar that was held here, or because their child was invited by a friend to attend kids camp in the summer, or because they got assistance for the flood or voted in a civic election in one of our church buildings. Whatever the reason, they thought of our church, and instead of being dragged here, <laughs> they willingly got in their car and came right into our church building where in time they, like hundreds of people before them, met members of our church family and ultimately were introduced to Jesus. You see, friends, even though the church is so much more than its buildings, church buildings and the people who gather in them during the week and on weekends can serve as a lighthouse, can serve as a visible reminder to lost and hurting people that there is hope to be found in Jesus. And that's why buildings matter, because people who need Jesus really matter. In closing, I just want to say that I realize that we may not all agree on every fine point of doctrine or every fine point of strategy or priorities as a church. But I trust that we can agree as Christ followers that we are part of the greatest cause ever given to man and that our mission isn't complete as long as there's still one person, one child, one young person, one adult on this planet who doesn't know Jesus. And I trust you see but that you also believe that the mission God has given to us to introduce people to Jesus and together to accomplish his redemptive purposes in our world really matters. And if you do, I mean if you really do, then will you join us and step out in faith and do for this generation and the next generation what has been done for us by the previous generation. Will you be on mission with us? Will you step out daily in obedience to God's call and give sacrificially not only of your finances, but also of your time and the talent and the spiritual gifts that God has given to you to see God's kingdom come to earth as it is in heaven? I don't know about you, but I'm not interested in just maintaining the status quo. I'm not interested in just living the good life and going through the motions of my faith. What a waste. No, I want to invest my life in that which will glorify God and that will last forever. Church, may we not be the generation that shrinks back and says, no more, enough already, to all that God wants yet to do in and through us as people and as a church. No, may we, like those who have gone before us, step out in faith and leave a legacy for all those who come behind us in our living in our serving, and yes, in our giving.
Thank you again for your faithfulness, for being part of our church, for your partnership in the gospel, and for being open to the part God would have you play in the mission God's called us to. I am grateful for you all. It is a privilege to serve you as senior pastor. May God bless you. And now may the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you his precious peace. In the name of God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. God be with you all. Thanks for listening. We hope this message has impacted you. We'd like to challenge you to take it one step further and get connected. For any questions or prayer, please visit our website at cschurch.ca. You can also like us on Facebook or follow us on Twitter 